Welcome to the Axe 13 Network Podcast. My name is Dan Rose, and I am the lead troublemaker here at the Axe 13 Network. We're glad you have decided to spend a little bit of time with us. What can you expect from this podcast? Well, hopefully, you will walk away from it learning to love well. That's our heart, that's our hope, that's our desire. We want to try to help people love well by hearing the words of Jesus, learning the works of Jesus, and following in the way of Jesus. So let's get on to this week's episode. Well, gang, we are continuing in our study of the book of Acts together. This morning, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 11, and uh, we, are, we are making progress. So, uh, if you remember last week, as we looked at Acts chapter 10, and the conversion of Cornelius, as it's often referred to, kind of saw that it really, in some ways, was the conversion of Peter, right? Uh, Peter had this great eureka moment, and Acts chapter 10 being one, of, being one of the most important chapters in the entire Scripture, because now we see the Gentiles coming to faith, the Gentiles receiving the Spirit of God in a Pentecost-like way. It wasn't like Peter breathed on them like we saw at the Samaritans or anything along those lines. No, it was God sending the Holy Spirit onto the Gentiles as they heard the Gospel message. And it was, it was just a remarkable moment. And, and it, was this, it is this turning point, really, in the book of Acts. And uh, soon, Peter begins to fade and the Jerusalem church will begin to fade from our story. And the Apostle Paul will begin to take center stage in the conversion of the Gentiles in mass and the ministry and the mission to the ends of the earth. We begin to pick up that story soon. But, before we get there, we are reminded again that the early church was not perfect. Because remember, just like any good family story, there are skeletons in the closet. There are those things that we don't talk about very much out in public. And the beginning here of Acts chapter 11 is one of those moments. Uh, if, if you've got an NIV, uh, and probably any other translation, uh, but uh, the little heading over chapter 11 uh, might be something along the lines of, Peter explains his actions. In other words, Pete got in trouble. We probably could have named the title that uh, for this week's sermon. Instead, we're going with majoring in minors. Uh, so let's take a look here at one of these not-so-great stories in the book of Acts. We begin in verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of, of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, 
Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is God's Word. So, Peter got in trouble. Peter walked in and had and, and dared, dared to enter an uncircumcised man's home and eat with him. And the circumcised brothers in Jerusalem were ticked. They were not happy. Now, this is what's interesting to me about this is, is how this is how this starts. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. They knew what had happened. They heard that the Gentiles had received the Word of God. That is shorthand for saying the Gentiles got saved. Peter had a successful moment. These, these people, these Gentiles who were out here, this others, the, 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 the enemies, the, the, the people that we don't really talk about, those guys, they got saved. They got religion. They got Christ. They got Jesus. However you want to put it, they got it. They received God's Word. They had been transformed. They had been changed. They had been brought into God's family. And the apostles and the believers in Jerusalem knew that. And what were they upset about? Peter, you went in and had dinner with them. Majoring on minors. Majoring on minors. They were so focused. They were so focused on this outward holiness, this outward appearance, following some set of rules that no longer applied. 
They, they, they were looking at, at, what, at, at just what, was, what would people think. Peter, that is, that is not above the appearance of evil, buddy. What are you doing here? Hanging out with these uncircumcised Gentiles. What is wrong with you? How could you do that? Well, guys, they got saved. Yeah, 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 that's not the issue. You went in and ate with them. You had table fellowship with these dirty Gentiles. They got to understand, sitting down, having, having table fellowship with somebody in this day, in, in the first century, that was like saying, we're family. Right? You're, you're with me. I'm with you. We're, we're bros. So when Peter had dinner with them, when he ate with them, it's kind of a big deal. Let alone them, I don't know, coming to faith, getting saved, having repentance, turning to God. You would think, you would, wouldn't you think that the response of the apostles and the believers in Jerusalem would have been joy? Wouldn't you think they would have rejoiced? They would have been like, oh, the Gentiles, they trusted Christ. They're in the fold too. This gospel thing is universal. It is for everybody. We are seeing the promises made to Abraham being fulfilled because remember back in the day, God told Abraham, hey, I'm going to bless all of the nations through you. It's happening. Woo! Nope. No party. No excitement, just judgmentalism for Peter because he had dinner with the wrong sort of folks. Majoring on the minors. How did they think that the gospel was going to go to the ends of the earth? Because remember, isn't that what they were told? I mean, you go back to Acts chapter 1. Hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Who did they think the ends of the earth were? If they weren't Gentiles. Well, probably they only had in their mind the ends of the earth were diaspora Jews. Jews that had been spread all through the known world. That was probably the ends of the earth that they were thinking about. They were thinking about the ends of the earth that were present on the day of Pentecost. Remember there was they're there for the festival and kind of the whole world was represented. And in some sense, the ends of the earth were represented right there on the day of Pentecost. That is probably where their imaginations ended. Because they, there was still this in, out, us, them. And they were only, probably really only thinking of Jesus as the Redeemer of the Jewish people. But that wasn't the end. It was... All-encompassing. Jesus' work was to reconcile all things. The whole creation. All of the people. This was what Jesus was here to do. He was here to redeem and reconcile all of humanity. All of the sons of, of Adam. All of the daughters of Eve. Everyone. It's it's mind-boggling. It is universal. It is, it is all of the people. This is who is to hear and receive and respond to the Gospel. 
But the early church, just like many of us, just like probably all of us, had some in-out issues, us-them issues. They're like, yeah, okay, Samaritans, we share blood with them. I guess that makes sense. They're still kind of Jewish. Even though we don't like them, they're still kind of Jewish. But Gentiles? They're not Jewish at all. They hate us. They've spent a lot of years enslaving us and depressing us and doing a lot of bad things to us. If there was a them, the Gentiles were the them. And pretty reasonably so. And yet, what happened? They came to faith. The Holy Spirit came in on them. You had the whole speaking in tongues, the whole deal. The whole Pentecost deal happened in Cornelius' house. And what were they upset about? You ate dinner with them. You went into that uncircumcised dude's house. Majoring on minors. Majoring. How, how could the Gospel go to a Gentile family without the bearer of the Gospel going into their home? Being present with them. Right? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. The heart of Jesus' ministry, the heart of the Gospel, the heart of, of following in Jesus' footsteps is incarnation. It is presence. It is showing up. It is being there. The way that we take the Gospel is, is not by blaring it on loudspeakers. It is not by running slick ad campaigns. It is not by doing, having a TV show. It is not... All, all these things are nice. They're all tools that we can use. But ultimately, fundamentally, at the end of the day, the core, the importance, the central thing is us as bearers of the Gospel showing up and being present in somebody else's life as one who has grace and mercy to offer. That is how we take the Gospel. Paul says, quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It is a presence thing. It is a showing up thing. For the Gentiles to hear and respond to the Gospel, somebody had to show up. And you know what? The early church was not going to show up. So what did God do? God stepped in. God said, watch this. Hold my communion cup. Here we go. Gives Peter the vision. Rise, kill, eat, unclean, impure animals. Peter's like, no way! I'm not doing that. And then finally, as he's standing in Cornelius' house, shazam! I get it now. Oh my gosh. There is no favoritism with God. There is no, the Jews are better than the Gentiles, the Gentiles are better than the Jews, or the rich are better than the poor, or the poor are better than the rich, or the men are better than the women, or the women are better than the men, or the barbarians, or the slaves, or whatever. Pick your poison. There's no favoritism. There are just people who need grace. And that is it. That's the major. That's the thing. There are only people who need grace. 
And that is all of us. Each one of us. Every person you see looking in a mirror back at you is someone who needs grace. And yet, the apostles and the believers in Jerusalem, they were upset because He walked into the house and had dinner. Now we look back on this and think, come on. Come on. You guys are getting upset about that. How silly are you? Right? Like, I mean, I kind of read, as I was reading, I just thought, boy, I thought these guys were something. Right? I mean, I thought this early church was something. They were, they're, they're, they walked with Jesus. Surely they must have been better than this. Nope. They're just normal people. Everyday people. They weren't better than this. They're just like us. And you know what? We make the exact same mistake. We make the same mistake. We major on minors. And so let's think about this for a moment. Some, some people major on minors by walking into a church for the first time and they look at people's dress. Oh, the preacher is wearing tennis shoes. That's not honoring Jesus. I'm out. Come on. That's majoring on minors. Forget what the guy has to say or the gal has to say. She's not dressed. He's not dressed the way you want. Maybe the people are wearing t-shirts, jeans, flip-flops, shorts at church on Sunday. What? Horrible. Horrible. Majoring on minors. Church splits have happened over the color of the carpet in the sanctuary. Majoring on minors. Churches have split over screens or hymn books. Majoring on minors. In the last couple of years, churches split and closed and relationships were broken over masks or not masks. Majoring on minors. Majoring on minors. Churches divide. Relationships end within the church over Republican or Democrat. Majoring on minors. Majoring on minors. And I think we can look at that and we all kind of, maybe we think, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I get those. Yeah, okay, those, those really are in the big picture kind of silly things. Just recently, I had a conversation with somebody who said, hey, so my, uh, my niece, they said, my niece is gay. She's getting married. I'm a follower of Jesus. She's invited me to her wedding. Should I go to her wedding? There are a lot of, a lot of us sitting here going, no way you don't go to the wedding. Absolutely not. Got to stay above the appearance of evil. How are you supposed to take the gospel if you don't go to the wedding? How do, how do, how do you take the gospel? How do you go and represent Jesus? Why, why do we think that people look at Christians and go, they're unloving, uncaring, unkind? It's because they won't go to the wedding. They, don't, they won't walk into the house and sit down and have dinner because they're afraid 
of the apostles and the believers saying, you walked into a gay person's wedding? Some of us are sitting here uncomfortable. That's, that's, our Cornel, that's probably the closest to our Cornelius today. A number of months ago, Amy and I were invited by a couple who comes to our tap, my Tap Room Tuesday gathering. Bob and Kevin. They've been married for, I don't know, 30 years. They, not married for 30 years. They've been together for 30 years and they got married as soon as they could. Right? They invited Amy and I to come to their home for dinner this winter. We went to their home. We had an amazing meal, great conversation, talked about Jesus. They love Jesus. We love Jesus. We, we shared a dinner talking about the beauty of Christ and grace and gospel mercy. It was wonderful. Some of my colleagues heard that story and they're like, I don't know if you should have gone, man. How, how could we not? How could we not? As followers of Jesus, when we're invited, come. How do we not go? How do we not sit down? How do we not walk into Cornelius' house and have dinner and take love and grace and mercy? And at the end of our meal, Bob and Kevin, Bob was in tears. So grateful that we came. We were the ones that got the great dinner. They're the ones that did all the work. They're the ones that had to clean up the... I mean, it was a five-course meal, gang. The dishes were piled up like seeing a restaurant kind of thing. There was a lot of work that went into the meal, and there was even more work going after the meal. And we didn't have to do any of it, and yet it was Bob that was in tears. Grateful that we came and spent time with them. How do we not, how do we not go to Cornelius' house? We don't go because we're afraid of the apostles and the believers. We're afraid of the uncircumcised party or the circumcised party that's going to say, you shouldn't have done that. How dare you? That's them. We don't do that. We don't do that. Yeah, we do. Because we major on the majors. Peter the eureka moment for Peter was majoring on the majors. It was this moment where he said, oh, all that matters is being the representative of Jesus, of grace and mercy and love, and going and showing up to the very people who need grace, mercy, and love the most. That's where we go. That's what we're called to do. And you know what? If y'all don't like it, too bad. Peter told his story. He gave them the details. He didn't shy away. He told it exactly as it was told in Acts chapter 10. And it, and it, so finally, finally at the end, verse, you know, verse 18, right? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What do you mean? Like, I, as I read that, I thought, what do you mean? When they heard this, what did they hear? They already knew. What they heard was Peter's story. What they heard was they heard it from Peter. This is what I did. I took the gospel. 
I showed up and I loved. This is what I did. When they heard that from Peter, they went, oh. Oh, okay. You see, we go. We have to show up in the places that we were, where we need to show up. We need to go to whoever our thems are, whoever those people are. We go and we take the gospel and we go be present. But it's not, it's not to be a silent thing. It has to be a us also sharing our story thing with, with the us, with the not hiding, with the not pretending. Whoever your them is, where you went. It's, it's been wild to watch the us versus them just in the last 48 hours. Pastor Tim Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, uh, died of pancreatic cancer this week. He's probably one of the most influential uh, pastors in, in the last 50 years. Has had arguably just some of the greatest impact ever. He impacted people across the spectrum. And, but what has been interesting has been as people who are like on either sides of the end of the spectrum as they've written kind of their in-memoriams to him, they all start with, though I didn't agree with everything, dot, dot, dot. Why? Why do they say, though I didn't agree with everything, dot, dot, dot? It's because they are afraid of the apostles and the circumcised believers in their midst. They need to send up the flare that says, don't worry, I'm still with us. I'm still with us, don't worry. But you see, the Gospel transcends us in them. The Gospel eliminates us in them. There's only people who need grace, mercy, love, redemption. That is all. Those are the only people that exist. There are no others. There's no us in them. There's only we. There's only those of us who need Gospel grace. And if we are following the Christ of the Bible, then we are going to be people who go to where the apostles and circumcised believers raise their eyes a little bit and go, hmm, not sure. That's when you know you're in the right place probably. Because that's probably where people who need gospel grace need it the most. People who need to hear that they are loved unconditionally. That there is great mercy. That there is redemption. That there is reconciliation. That God loves them no matter what. And so do we. Because there is no us in them. And so, for us to get past the us and them, we have to major on major and not major in the minors. As you start sometimes, as you look around and you begin to maybe get worked up about something, ask yourself the question, is this a major or is this a minor? And if it's not, if it's, and honestly, if it's anything short of gospel grace, mercy, love, Redemption, reconciliation. Is anything short of that? Folks, it ultimately is a minor. And there's some big things that fall outside of 
grace, mercy, redemption, reconciliation that really seem like major things. I get that, but at the end of the day, they really are minor. Don't let, don't let the other stuff take away from the deeper message that this, this reconciling message of the Gospel that says grace is for everyone. Don't let the apostles and the circumcised believers steal that from you by getting your focus off the major thing, the only thing that ultimately matters, and getting all kinds of focused on ultimately minor things. Important? Sure. There are a lot of important things, but they're still minor. They still don't change heaven. Ask yourself that. Maybe that's the question. That's the question. As you, as you ponder this week, as you think about, maybe as you think about this passage this week, or maybe if this sermon sticks in your head a little bit long, you know, through, through lunch this week, maybe the question is this. Of all the things that I'm worked up about, of all the things that I judge other followers of Jesus about, do any of those things change what's happening in heaven? Whatever it might be, slot your thing in there and say, does this, does this mean that they do not get to experience grace, redemption, and reconciliation from Christ? Because if it doesn't, then it's a minor. If it doesn't change heaven, then it is not a major thing. And I think at the end of the day, there might really only be one major thing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You again for this morning. Thank You for Gospel grace. Thank You that, that we follow a Savior who calls all of us to grace, mercy, reconciliation, and redemption. That He has made a way for us. And we have experienced that because somebody showed up. Somebody chose to sit with us. Because we, we were people who were unclean. We were people who, who were broken. We were somebody's them. So would you, would you help us, Lord, to be a people that doesn't see the us and them, that only sees the we, that focuses on the majors that cares not about the minors, that will not let the minor things get in the way of the major, of this Gospel grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.